It's time for Get the Lack Scoop, a podcast bringing you all the people and stuff you should know in the game of lacrosse. We take lack seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join host Big Dog and Jay Bird and the biggest names in the game. Brought to you by Jay McMahon Lacrosse. That's JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training. Ron Douglas, the big dog, was a collegiate football and lacrosse player at Brown. He was also an assistant lacrosse coach and the executive director of the Sports Foundation. And Jay McMahon, the Jaybird, a three-time All-American midfielder at Brown. He was a captain of the U.S. Junior National Team and is the founder of JML. And joining us in the studio, Steve Grisalfi, whose collegiate lacrosse career statistics equals one goal against Dartmouth. JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training, helping the next generation of cross players get to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are super excited to bring you the third installment of our interview series with National Lacrosse League Commissioner Brett Frude and his college roommate, Professional Lacrosse Hall of Famer Greg Catrano. You will find our interview in progress. And Brett, congratulations to you on becoming the commissioner of the NLL last September. And since it's relaunched there in 1997, there's only been four other commissioners, so it's quite an honor. And I'm sure it's quite a task to run a league now with 15 teams. And tell us what your first year was like and what are some of the plans, you know, 30,000 foot flyby there for the league uh, going forward. Yeah, for sure. First, Cat, I, 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 I can't think of a more worthy recipient of that Hall of Fame honor. So I, I know I reached out when, when you were inducted, but man, what an honor. Um, incredible career. So congrats again. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, commissioner of the NLL. Um, not sure how that came uh, about. You know, it, I, was, I didn't have my resume out there and got a, a random call um, from the agency working on the search as I was on my way to a high school game. And um, it's just, you know, rare in life where you can marry personal and professional pursuits. Um, mm-hmm. And this just seemed like the the perfect opportunity. Think about the league, it's deep, you know, amazing history um, of competition and iconic players. Um, we've, a lot of the names have come up today. Um, we've got just massively engaged and sophisticated owners that are not just lacrosse owners. They're, you know, business Titans, um, Mm -hmm. Super Bowl champions and Stanley cup champions and, um, Mm. and hedge fund icons. And, you know, there's just, it's just really fun to engage and, and be involved from a fiduciary standpoint with those folks. And then obviously just talented competitive athletes that you know are all in um competing at the highest level I mean, we obviously share a number of our players with our with our peers um greg mentioned you know paul and the pll and, and those guys we've got about 40 guys crossover who, who are obviously the best in the world playing in both disciplines mm-hmm. so it's just um i feel you know obviously come from a field background but um it's been, it's been a wild first year, um, you know, and very easy to embrace the box lifestyle. Um, feel like our on-floor product is just unbelievable and resonates with such a diverse demographic out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got it all, but it's uh, been, 
been drinking out of a fire hose, yeah, so to speak. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's all new governance right. and bylaws and reporting to 15 owners, not just one. So I right. had Tony Stewart for 20 years right. and uh, now 15 of them and uh, a NLPA. So we've got a CBA. So getting entrenched in collective bargaining and, um, you know, just taking stock in what we have as assets and um, understanding, the, you know, from my perspective that we've got this property and it's, it's odd to say, but it's a, you know, 37 year old startup um, mm -hmm. with just so much meat on the bone um, and really excited about the, the enterprise value that um, I, I hopefully will have the pleasure of building with many constituents, you know, players, partners, owners, fans, and, and present and, you know, propagate this sport in a way, spe specifically in America, right? Like you guys know mm -hmm. the history of it from, from very much a Canadian sport, very, very much part of the fabric of, of their culture, especially up in Ontario and BC. Um, right. But now I think there's like 10 American teams and I was going to throw in here yeah. on the next question, just, you know, obviously most of the great players are Canadian, but Casey Powell started playing in like 98, I think, 99, and was the MVP in 2010. He's going into your Hall of Fame, the NLL. Yep. And then you got guys like Tom Schreiber, Joe, I can never say his name properly, Resiteritis? Resiteritis. Resiteritis. He's amazing. And Connor Fields. Call him Joey Rez. Joey Rez. It's easier. But you got a lot of nice American players there, too. And and tell us a little bit about that. Are you looking to get more players involved? I, I know a player Peyton Booth who I coached is going to Cornell he's a 24 but he's played on the indoor USA team and done really well so what what's that uh status as far as looking yeah. at this game in the U.S. well timely question because we just returned from the Hall of Fame as you just mentioned a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and had we had uh Kevin Finneran Reggie Thorpe and Casey that were inducted which joined oh, okay. Sal Lacasio who Greg mentioned and Tony Resch and John Tucker so Nice. You start seeing some of that momentum uh, on the American side, but obviously the the legacy of the league is most closely as associated with you know the Gates and Tavares and uh, mm -hmm. Grant Jr. and Mike French, right? You know, like those those Canadian icons. But man, I have thoroughly enjoyed going to these games and watching. And, and you said Resiteritz and Schreiber and Reardon and Trevor Baptiste. But what I'm really excited about is kind of this younger wave of talent. So these guys that have just recently graduated. So mm -hmm. Jack Hanna, um, Denver yeah. kid, was a mm -hmm. rookie in Vegas. He's just an animal. And you've got Kirst and Piatelli, um, mm -hmm. Cornell kid, played at Albany. Yeah. Danny Danny Logan played in San Diego. T.D. Erlin, you guys seen him. Connor Kelly, Maryland yeah. kid. Bertrand, Tarafanko. These are all world members that are excelling. Right, right. Um and just, and you guys can probably hear it, right? Like, this is why I took the job. It's the, the passion piece. And to your point, we've got to, we got to make sure we're growing in America. We've got to, we've got to be nimble and have our finger on the elasticity of supply and demand. And it's uh -huh. not just, it's not just the players, um, Jay and Doug, it's, it's the fans, right? It's how do we continue to foster an environment where box is a discipline that comes to mind, Mm -hmm. um, for all of us. And, and it's not an easy fix because I mean, one reason why we have never been there is just facilities. You think why, why did it, why is it so prevalent in Canada? 
it's because they take the ice down during the right. summer in all the hockey rinks and they play box. Um, and a lot of rinks. Look at all. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's they played hockey, hockey, lacrosse, hockey, and they have and they and still when you look at junior B's, senior, you know, junior A's, and you get into you know senior B's and man cup, Minto, like it's they're all playing during the summer. So it is challenging for us. So we we've we've I I feel like we've got to have the mindset from a league standpoint of kind of that rise the tide mentality. Um, working with the Haudenosaunee, NCAA, PLL, Athletes United, and just grow across, um, mm-hmm. grow it in communities. And to me, whether it's field, whether it's box, whether it's sixes, um, if we're all working together and growing the game, I think through osmosis, all of us will win. And I think more people, the more endemics, like our kids that are out there, you know, that are used to field, will start watching the box, the Olympics. As you guys may be aware, we're going to find mm-hmm. out IOC ratification yeah, process is in five, six days mm-hmm. and really optimistic and hopeful that gets to the finish line, which I think it will. So can you imagine that 2028 Olympics guys in L.A. lacrosse. Cat wishes he was younger, right? Oh, my God. I, <laughs> Fruity, I was just thinking that. Can you imagine Catrano in the sixes yeah. game? I mean, he's got to be crying. He wants to go back in the time machine. I think he still could. I think he, I think he should go. I think he should try out for the world team, but you know, so it's, it's exciting times for lacrosse. We just start, we're heavily involved with the national collegiate box series, which is grabbing American college kids during the summer, had a big tournament in Utica. And that's where a lot of these guys are growing. And you mentioned that you mentioned Peyton um, when we played against him. I think he played at St. Anne's Belfield yeah. kick going yep. to Cornell. Right. Mm-hmm. So that will provide a opportunity for kids like that um, when they're in college to play during the summer box. Right. I think and, Joey Spelina played right. And if you yeah, guys, jo- yeah, Joey played up in Canada, but we okay. really got to We've got to have more programming down here. So working mm-hmm. hard on grassroots and it's part of certainly part of the strategic plan and and really excited about presenting, you know, this this box product to a lot of folks endemically here that haven't touched it yet. Mm-hmm. Nice. All awesome. right. So so, Kat, you get the last question before we turn it over to our roving reporter, Steve Grisalfi. And Kat, I'm just wondering, you know, hearing Brett talk about you know, his vision for the NLL, you having been part of every facet of the game over time, what excites you most about the future of lacrosse, you know, as a guy who's been such a part of the sport? Well, I mean, it's it's the continued growth or explosion of the game, you know, obviously what Brett's doing with the NLL, and I mean, you're hearing it uh, firsthand, his, you know, his passion to grow the game at the grassroots level, um, you know, I've seen the same thing on the PLL side. I see what U.S. lacrosse is doing. You know, I, you know, I'm looking from the outside in because right now I'm I'm not really as involved in the game as I would like. My my son is eight years old. There's not much lacrosse where I am in South Carolina, so I get to I'm looking out of the lens of everyone else and what they're doing. You know, um, we're going to get him the Jay McMahon lacrosse app. He needs it. Yeah, we'll get it. And, That's uh, our sponsor. And- we we transition to. Uh, JML. And let's do that. Today's JML Minute is inspired by what both of our guests have said. They have discussed the skill level being at an elite level. And they've also discussed how many of these players are starting their own academies 
that are all in person. Now, if you are not proximal to those locations, if you cannot get to them, that's where the J. McBain Lacrosse app comes into play. It is something that your son or daughter can use wherever they are all over the country. It's an app that they would download on their phone, and then the training is right there at their fingertips. Many of our prior guests, all being college lacrosse coaches, said that players need to develop their game. I ask you, what is your game? Acquiring skills that you need starts by working on your own, in your backyard, or at a local field. And while you're doing that, you want to have the benefit of the technology, using technology to accelerate your path to improvement. Now, the J. McMahon Lacrosse app is designed to help you do just that. On the app, we have a free mini course on three types of shooting, which are step-down shots or outside shots, shooting on the run, and shooting from the crease. Along with the instructional videos on this free course, we have drills that you can use to perfect these skills. And when you're ready, you can move on to our paid programming. We have the Go From Good to Great course, a six-week journey that has all the skills, lacks IQ, and mindset information that I've learned from playing under great coaches like Dom Starja and playing with great players like Andy Towers and Coach Lars Tiffany. On top of all that, I've been coaching youth lacrosse for over 20 years and have put all that knowledge onto the app. Now, the course has six weekly sections. Each section is 30 to 40 minutes long and can absolutely transform your game. So go ahead and download the J. McMahon Lacrosse app on the Apple App Store or if you have an Android phone at the Google Play app section, you would simply type in J-A-Y-M-C-M-A-H-O-N lacrosse and download it. Now we will return to our interview in progress. We're, uh, you know, I just, just, just starting to explode hearing about, you know, the potential for the Olympics. I mean, that's the most exciting thing. And Brett, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that the Olympics could happen in 2028. I did think to myself, why couldn't this happen like 20 years ago or 15 years yeah. Man, I missed that one, right? Um, and no, I should come back. Uh, but Brett, <laughs> I think I did say to you, I, you know, I reached out to you via text, I uh, congratulated you, and I think I might have said, hey, I might have to come out of the retirement if you put a team in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, <laughs> of course, you, you didn't do that, so I'm still on the bench and retired. So uh, We'll take you. We'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the growth and the explosion of the game still. And that's what, I, I mean, I love seeing it from the outside in and, you know, and and I am uh, trying to get more involved uh, with the game in South Carolina as well. I travel a lot for work, so it makes it a little more difficult. Uh, but as my, you know, my son's out there, he's playing every sport right now. And, you know, I'd love for it to give him the opportunity that I had playing lacrosse growing up. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Mm -hmm. Now, is he a goalie or is he playing in the field? He's not, he's not, but he's just going to some camps right now and some clinics. He's playing, you know, he's eight years old. So he, right now he's doing tackle football. He's mm -hmm. doing basketball. He's doing baseball. He's basically doing everything. I mean, his 8U football team is undefeated. Um, and, you know, they're going to play for the championship nice. in about a, a week or so. So that's pretty exciting. And, and, Brad, you talked about coaches and the type of message they want to send their players, even at the age of eight. I mean, what I love about, you know, these coaches out there, it's not about um, – you know, yeah, it's about how you play on the field. You want to win, but it's the discipline and, and you know, teaching life lessons to young kids. And that's what I, I get inspired by. Right, so, Jay, it's time uh, for 
the roving reporter Steve Grisalfi, who tends to take guys a little different slant uh, sure here does. at the very end of uh, our episode. Yeah, they, they don't let they don't let me ask serious lacrosse questions. It's mostly because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> we instead of viewer mail that we normally read in this segment, uh, whenever we have the pleasure of having two Brown grads, we have a special feature called Pass or Fail, which pays homage to the SNC option at Brown. So I'll uh, I'll throw out a topic. You guys will mention whether this topic pass or fails in your opinion, and maybe offer offer some commentary. So. Topic number one is changing the rules every season. And Brett, you might have a particular interest in this topic. With the shot clock, crease dives, helmet brush checks, et cetera, what, where are you on changing the rules every season? Is that a pass or a fail for you? It's a fail, but you, your, your timing is impeccable because I just came back from Toronto in our competition meetings and GMs and coaches wanting to make changes. Um, and usually there's a lot of unintended consequences. So I'd be more of a pragmatic, let's, let's get it right. And then take a few years before we re-explore change. All right. Interesting. Greg, you you want to weigh in on that one or you want to go on? It's a fail for me. Fail for me. We don't need to keep, keep changing the rules every, you know, every single year. I mean, it's let the game evolve in its own, on its own course. You know, and you know, every few years, if you want to reevaluate, no problem. But it seems like it's it's uh, it's happening way too much nowadays, in my opinion. What about with that crease dive rule from a goalie perspective? Uh, did they get that right? You read my mind. Um, what do you think, Greg? You like the I, crease dive or not? Pass or fail? Uh, I don't know if it's a pass or fail. I never mind. I don't. I, I didn't ever mind anybody jumping across the crease because I knew that stuffing them anyway. Well, yeah, but that attackman was going to get absolutely destroyed by one of my defensemen. So. Um, it would never happen again anyway. So, um, <laughs> so one Brainy. It, it, Kevin it, Brainy. It, 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 oh, try, yeah. Do it once, you're never going to do it again. So, <laughs> All right, nice. topic number two is the uh, is mad helmet tilt. Should lacrosse helmets tilt forward in excess of 10 or 15 degrees? Discuss. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that. Uh, fail i think on that one i don't see i don't like to see that tilting coming down too much right on your head i mean you got to be able to see your eyes at some point right and you got to so be able funny. to see it was trending my, to just absurdity wasn't it my, right. my yeah. son's in high school and, and i was playing you know at, at lake placid and played out actually in california and he was just like really assessing the tilt. It's like you got to bring that thing down. I'm like, dude, what is this? We, I mean we had like a a grapefruit peel on our head with the back of rack raisin now we got to have certain tilt <laughs> the cascade maybe they need to start a new trend jay and just tilt it back so far they can look underneath the grill right like yeah that's right yeah nice it's like it's like hemlang all right uh topic number three is uh the archer post goal selly is this a pass or a fail and this is you know for for, uh, the audience this is where the attackman pretends to draw and loose an arrow using his stick as a bow after a goal so uh greg is this a pass or fail and uh what post goal celebration bothered you the most? Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I can't go neutral here. I'm gonna go with fail. I don't like to see too many. Uh, you know, you score a goal, just you know, get ready for the next play. We don't need to overdo it, but it is exciting for the player, you know, the fans out there to see some of that stuff, and it is an entertainment business as well. So you do want to entertain. But when you're on a field in a competitive setting, score a goal. You know, let's let's go get ready for the next play. Uh, what celebration did I ever did I hate the most? 
uh, I don't know. I was too busy focusing on picking the ball out of the goal and hand it to my defenseman so I can get ready for the next play. So I can't say did, I've ever. Did you do play. a celly when you scored your multiple goals? I ran. I, I I ran back to the goal. I had to get ready for the next play. <laughs> No, no cabbage patch or, uh, you know, big no. swooping. No, no. I'm, wondering the, classic. I'm wondering if the big goal scorer, Brett Fruit, has a different perspective on the post-goal <laughs> yeah. celebration. I, I, um, I definitively do not. Um, I am the uh, fun police. So I am against <laughs> celebration emphatically, at least I, I guess I'm talking at the youth level. <laughs> None of that. If any of our, if any of my kids like touched the ground or did the bow, they wouldn't be playing the rest of the game. It's a high five and and get to the bench and get ready to go. So that was definitely a core part of our DNA. But I did laugh when you asked about a celebration that still I picture to today. We had year after year close one goal games with Syracuse. I think every game we had with Syracuse, except for our senior year, was a one goal game 13 12, 13 12, 12 11. And um, we were at the Dome in 95, and Rick Beardsley scored three goals wow. on us. And on his third, he came up in front of our bench and gave the three um, <laughs> to Coach Bresh and Coach Lasagna. Um, from about three feet away and um, got, he, he loved playing against that guy. Such a character, such a great defender, right? Like he, he, he made player. lacrosse fun. He could get away with the celebrations and just a guy you wanted to compete against, but I'll never forget that. And they beat us 13, 12 in the dome um, cool. with Rick having three. I oh also, re I also recall him uh, leaving a message on my voicemail as well um, that, <laughs> that he scored three goals on me so yes yeah, so that, that the celebration continued into the evening okay oh we'll give that a we'll we'll give that a resounding fail <laughs> incredible as for creativity right wow uh, all right so the final topic and this isn't really a pass fail but i wanted to ask this uh you know specifically a brett and greg you can chime in uh what can fans of lacrosse, both old and new, expect when they bring their family to an NLL game, Brett? <laughs> well, if, for those that haven't been there, um, they might be listening to ACDC, left, uh, Led Zeppelin, and Rolling Stones for, for two and a half okay. hours. So music throughout, nice. physicality, nonstop action, um, and just high entertainment value. Just a great product on the floor. Maybe a few fights here and there. A lot of goals and world-class athletes getting the job done. Outstanding. What are some of your favorite venues to catch an LLO game? Yeah, so that, that has been fun. I, I'm, I, I must say I'm not used to the travel yet. Um, getting from Charlotte to Halifax and you know, Calgary and Saskatchewan is a chore, but um, it's mm -hmm. been really fun. I'll, I'll be honest, all the venues have been great, but what I've really been interested in is seeing the de different demographics consuming the sport. So mm -hmm. I just use Halifax as an example. So for those of you who've been there in Nova Scotia, big college town, didn't know that, you know, it's on on the Eastern seaboard. So you go in there, There's it's packed and it's a ton of 22 to 28 year olds drinking mm. beer, having a good time. And, and, wow. and they've embraced this Halifax team, just wild environment. You go down to Toronto. And as you could imagine, it reminds me of like old school minor league baseball, where you just have generations of fans watching it. So you got the grandkid, mm -hmm. uh, very obviously with the father and the grandfather, 
holding their sticks. They're there two hours before autographs. And then you cross the border and you go to Buffalo and I'd say maybe 80% of the, the folks in the crowd at Buffalo have never touched a lacrosse stick. It's a rabid uh, Buffalo Bill, Sabre, um, beer drinking, camouflage wearing, blue collar crowd that just loves their sports. You know, you think of that, mm-hmm. you know, the Steelers and the Bills. And so, you know, right. you go to three different venues on consecutive days and you see three completely different demographics. And to me, that's just like that gets me excited, right, for where we can grow, because there mm-hmm. isn't a specific fan for box lacrosse. It's it's a sport for everyone. And that and that's really um, our marketing message. We're going to unroll in a month um, our new brand messaging, which is the next called the next major league. Um, and mm-hmm. excited about that. But it's it's going to be for everybody, um, nonstop entertainment and and a whole lot of fun. Now, what was your what was your favorite NLL venue to play in? Uh, Philadelphia. Back yeah, then, to like I mean, sell out the spectrum, right? I mean, oh. it was just the noise. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it, talk about an intense crowd. I mean, crazy crowd. But I mean, as Brett said, you know, these NLL games. I, I haven't been to one in a, in a few years, but the energy that's in the, the these these arenas, like for two and a half hours. I mean, it's it's yeah. so interesting. Impressed. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Buffalo had a 20. So final game, they win at 20,000 or 19,300 people in their capacity. Great. They win the championship. And it was, I mean, it was just absolutely mayhem in there. Um, <laughs> I get there, I go out to present the trophy and I've got close to 20,000 people booing the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> And I look at my son and I said, are they, are they saying fruit? And he said, oh, no, with his video camera. Uh, they're saying boo. Um, so I, I guess I was that, that was my indoctrination to commissionership first championship. But um, love that. Loved that environment and um, hope to replicate that everywhere every single night. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on. This was absolutely awesome. And. Good stuff. Loved appreciate catching it. Catching up with you guys. No, I really appreciate really the fun. opportunity. Appreciate the opportunity. It's great to reconnect with you and, and bring back some so many great memories from just, awesome. you know 25, 30 years ago. This is great. Until we meet again, here's to hoping you find the twine. We're signing off here at the Get the Lax Coop. Thanks again so much. We will see you the next time. <laughs>